This is Heidi Heikamp. I am the original founder of One Country Project, and I have scoured the countryside for amazing new Democratic leaders who um, share the idea that we should bring people together in one country. And guess who we found? Ashton Clemens, who is now going to join the board and um, provide that advice. And um, she brings not only uh, the the sensibility of a, of a purple state, um, North Carolina, that has elected Democrats and elected Republicans. She also brings a very valuable perspective about what we need to do in education. And um, adding her voice to our work um, is so excited. Um, welcome. Thanks so much, Ashton. Um, we were talking about Ashton, Idaho, or, yes, or Iowa. Iowa, I know. Iowa, one of those I states. Yes. Um, we were we were talking about Ashton, Iowa, um, and I think JD promised to get you a T-shirt. Yes, didn't he? I hope so. Yeah. thank you so much. Glad to be here. It's great to have you. So, um, I want to know a little bit about how you turned that school around, and you know how you did. Did you engage with the parents? Did you? I mean, did you have to raise more money for the school? Tell us about your experience in taking a school that was failing. Um, by, you know, measures, not the kids was failing, but the education system was failing the kids and turning it around. And tell us a little bit about why you think this is such an important discussion to have um, addressing uh, the concerns of rural America through the One Project. Yes. So I'm Ashton Clemens, a state representative from North Carolina. and Where in North Carolina? Uh, Greensboro, Guilford County. And I. this is my first term in the legislature and have spent my life very passionate about our traditional public schools and was a teacher, school principal, and a district assistant superintendent before I ran for office. So I want you to give JD the eye that principals give every kid who comes in. <laughs> yes, exactly. I've seen that look before. Yes, yes it's a popular look. Um, yeah, it comes in handy. Uh, actually, a lot from being a school principal translates to the legislature. Hurting <laughs> <laughs> cats, yes. getting yes, people to play well with others. Exactly. Um, so... I'm deeply passionate about our public schools and have spent my life in our schools where we weren't really doing what we needed to do for kids and was able to serve as a principal of a turnaround school where we are the lowest school in North Carolina and school of the year, my third year, we made dramatic growth. And so that really is my true love. And in North Carolina, we similarly had a major shift in 2010. We had had Democratic uh, leadership for mo- most of the history before that. And um, we have really our rep- Republican legislature, in my opinion, is full out of salt in our public schools. And so that's how I ended up running and being in the legislature. But then am specifically excited to be here in North Carolina Like many states, um, we have great urban centers and a great history of agriculture and farming. And our state is great because we have both of those. And unfortunately, too often we have a conversation where one is pitted against the other. And that's why I'm excited about the work that's happening here in one country, because really our state is about lifting all of those boats. And until we are 
singling singling out the issues to rural people in our state and across our country. We're not going to address them in the ways that we know we need to. So I'm excited to be part of this. Well, I mean, I think that when you look at kind of the progress that we've been able to make, and, you know, those of us who came together and you guys signed on pretty early in Ashton, you're just coming in now. But when Joe and Donnelly and I sat down and kind of envisioned this, it was born out of our experience, which is that the Democratic Party has left um, rural America behind. And you still hear it. You still hear in the dialogue that, well, we don't really need to worry about those people. We're just going to speak to our base. And if we get high base turnout, we're not going to, to lose. We're going to win. And it was interesting because in your recent special election in North Carolina, um, you know, again, when you look at those numbers, it's, you know, they turned out record numbers in the suburbs and the urban area, but yet still failed to get the majority because they didn't do better, in fact, did worse in, in rural America, in the, that rural county. And so, you know, our desire is, is to not just win elections, but to unite this country and quit looking for, for divisions. And so I'm curious, you, um, as you watched that uh, congressional race, what, what advice would you give to anyone who's in that spot with maybe a plus 12 uh, Republican district that needs to address um, uh, rural concerns in a state like North Carolina? What would you tell them to focus on? I think that rural voters are working hard to make sure that their families are taken care of. And they want politicians, candidates who are going to their communities and hearing what that means for them and putting their needs and interests forward ahead of any standard answer that either Democrat or Republican Party is going to talk about. And so I think many of our congressional districts in North Carolina, we have 11, are there's an urban part, but they also have rural rural voters. And we're not going to win those until we are certainly turning out votes in our urban centers, but also turning out votes in all of the rural yeah. parts of Did, those didn't districts. Didn't you recently have a redistricting challenge? Well, yes. So, so what, our state. So tell us yes. about that. Well, our state legislative maps uh, were had to be redrawn this year. They were determined unconstitutionally partisan gerrymandered. They had already been racially gerrymandered unconstitutionally, so they've already been redrawn once. So we had a new set of redraws. That is. Uh, that happened in the in September, and that we the plaintiffs filed a challenge to not accept the new maps. We st- we voted unanimously against them. The Democrats did in the House. We feel like it still continues with the problems of our past. But in the meantime, because the precedent has now been set against our state constitution, uh, the congressional maps have been challenged to that same Superior Court panel that just made our legislative state maps. And so we're waiting to see. We're supposed to have filing in December, which is the earliest we've ever had it. And the court order, at when they originally made the decision, they retained the right to change primary dates, to change filing dates, because that's been a constant excuse. We don't have time before the primary or filing. Um, and so they said, we'll change those if we have to. So wow. it's it will be an interesting time in North Carolina. Hopefully, at both the state legislative level and at the U.S. congressional level, we will have more fair districts. Um, I well, think that's what's right. Anyone who doesn't think this matters, I introduce you to the state of Pennsylvania. I think our we did so we were part of the federal school improvement grant, which was an Obama um, effort to turn around chronically failing schools that have 
consistently failed students um, as far as educational outcomes. And so we did have some extra financial resources. But I think most of what actually helped it succeed was, first, we had a deep commitment that there would be no excuses. So 100% of the kids live in poverty. More than half spoke languages other than English at home. And when I went there, I said, you know, those are all realities and they may be challenges, but those children, every one of those children deserves the same opportunity for success as Letty Clemens, my daughter. And we are going to make that reality. And so there will be no excuses here. You can say something's a challenge and what do we need to address that challenge? I'm not going to pretend there are not challenges, but we will never use them as an excuse for the outcomes of our children. So that was first. Second, we really made the school a community center. And when we started, we canvassed. So it's funny that I ended up spending a lot of time canvassing running for office later on. But we canvassed our school neighborhoods in groups of three and four with a translator, uh, staff members to meet every single one of our school families before the year started. And we introduced ourselves. This is one open houses. And my mindset, which is actually not all that different now that I say it to my political mindset, but my mindset then was... We are going to go to families 100% of the time until they start feeling confident and comfortable enough to come to us. And so that's really what we did. And over time, we saw the dramatic increase in parents and families believing that we had their kids' best interests at heart and knowing that we were going to not stop until we got to where we needed. So changing a community norm in terms of expectations, making sure that parents knew that they were expected to come and that you're going to make that situation comfortable for them and that that they could be part of improving the quality of education in their community. I think what we tried to convey was that we were problem solvers with the families. And I think many of those families, for lots of different reasons, hadn't had great experiences with education. And so helping the, helping create an environment where we're all on a team, nobody's more important than another to get outcomes for our kids. And that, that looks different for different families. So what interested you in One Country Project? I mean, you're kind of up and coming, um, uh, a new legislator, but also a great, uh, not just education leader, but political leader in your state. And we expect to, we're going to see you on the statewide ballot and maybe even in the United States Senate someday. So I'm always curious about what about our project, the One Country Project. Um, uh, what was it about our project that led you to want to be part of it? I think I went into the legislature really believing that we have got to figure out vehicles that can rise above the divides that are rampant throughout our cities, counties, states, and country. One of those huge divides in North Carolina is the rural-urban divide. It's huge, and it pervades so many conversations and so many bills that are passed that are are not in the best interest of the future of our state because we're operating from these two camps. And so what interested me about One Country is it's a challenge to a divide. That's not what's helping us move forward. And it's trying to create a voice that brings people together uh, that is, I think we need well more of in politics. And, you know, your voice in particular, 
as being a woman leader and someone who had to carefully figure out how do you represent the best interests of people of your state in a political world that's less and less supportive of people like you that had to represent that a different population um I'm excited about, you know, and I want to be part of how do we get back to a place where politics can be about collaboration and debate and compromise. And and I think that part of doing that is healing our divides. And this is a big one. Terrific. Um, Why are you a Democrat? So I'll tell a quick story. I will summarize it quickly because I know it's podcast not have forever, but um, I was teaching one day, and I had a bunch of kids around me, and a group of teachers was watching me teach. I was modeling for them, and I had fifth graders who had to miss P.E. to be with me for this modeling. So you can imagine how excited they were to be with me. So I'm modeling this lesson, and three of the five kids kind of come around. I said, listen, I'm going to do this as quickly as possible because I know you need to get to P.E. Well, then the other fourth one kind of came around, but there was this little boy, Jesse, who, for lots of reasons, was not did not want to be at school, was angry, didn't believe in himself. And long story short, I go on with the lesson. I get up from my t- where I'm sitting. I walk around. I bend beside Jesse's ear, and I say, Jesse, I know you want to go to PE, but I also know you're smart, and you can't miss out on this learning. So do you want to do it now, or do you want to do it later? He kept his arms furled. I came back. About five minutes later, I went back and I said, Jesse, I know you can do this. I turned it to a page. I said, look, this tiger's interesting. Can you give me an inference about him? So Jesse kind of grumbled and he said, his teeth are clenched. I said, well, what's your inference? And he said that he's aggressive. Those are the moments we live for, right? And I'm a Democrat because we can either sit across the table and judge Jesse or we can get up, walk around, and figure out how to give people chances at their life. And the Democratic Party stands for getting up and walking around the table. And I could not be more proud to be a Democrat. Oh, my goodness. I'm kind of starting to tear <laughs> up here. Uh, that's an amazing story. And it and it, it it's exactly, you know, what people ask me. So what's the difference between Democrats and Republicans? I say Democrats have always believed that when we invest in people, We invest in human beings. We give everybody a chance. They will reward us with incredible opportunities and they will, they will rise to the occasion. And, and so I think my, I don't have as, as wonderful of a story as what you have, but I've always known that, you know, when, when you invest in people, when you give people a chance, when you give them the tools and give them a chance, and, and that means an investment. And, and I think a lot of people say, well, pull themselves up by the bootstraps. And I want to say, really? What does that mean? I mean, it means nothing to me. It means that we're all in this together. And that success of your Jesse is the success of this country. And it's an, it's an amazing story. And you must be an amazing teacher. So I it's, was. It's yes. too bad. It's I too bad it. they put you. That's what they always do with amazing teachers. They put them in administration. Sure. So what's the goal for you eventually? I don't know, because if you had told me three years ago I'd be a state representative, I never would have believed that in my heart. I'm a teacher and and an educator. Um, so I don't know. I think the path will lead where it goes, and we'll see. I, I will say 
it feels like such an incredible gift to learn so much about just how how people operate and how do we influence it to give people chances to make their lives what they deserve them to be. Um, so I have no idea. So before we close, I'm sure everybody's curious. What about your family? Tell me about your family. Yes, I have an incredibly wonderful husband, Brian, who is works in construction. And I have three great kids, a daughter, Letty, who's eight, and twin five-year-old boys. You Briggs are and Beck. Yes, I am. I am. I know. It will be interesting. Um, they were six and the twins were three when I started running. So I'm actually friends with Kay Hagen's daughter. Oh, and well, you know how to pick your friends. Carrie. And um, she, so it, she's been helpful for me because she's like, it's okay. The kids are going to be okay because she grew up, you know, with I, the mom I, doing the same thing. Yeah, so. and I want to do this because I get this question all the time. I started when I was 28 before I was even married. Um, and then ha- both of my kids were were raised when, during a time when I was heavily involved in politics, ran for governor. Nathan was 10 and Allie was 14. And, and people always say, you know, how, what effect did it have on your family? And and this is what I will tell you. If you asked either of my kids, who are now 33 and 29, what they would say is that they were always part of my work, that they were proud that I was trying to do the things that I was trying to do, and that, you know, uh, albeit I wasn't there for every swim meet or every soccer meet, you know, but, but they knew that you were doing something important. And you know, I think public service is that. And and when we model public service to our kids, they believe the, the value. And so I just think that for all the young women out there, when they say, can you have it all? Well, you if you mean, can you do these tough jobs and make, you know, make every basketball game? The answer is really no, you can't. But, but um, you can make your kids proud and set an example of public service, and that's really what you're doing. And I would tell all of them to do it yeah. and to call you and me, right? <laughs> like find other women who have done it to but, coach you up as we go. But 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 I also would tell them that you just heard exactly why someone ran for office in a compelling way that that tells you who you are, Ashton, who tells you what your values are and why you've taken this step. And, and so I would say lead with your passion and know exactly what that is. That was, in, I mean, it's been great getting to know you today. Uh, it's the first time we've been able to meet. And I know you are going to be an incredible addition to this effort. Um, and you are going to be an incredible leader for uh, uh, rural America and for um, Democrats in Southern America who are coming back um, and really using their voice to make conditions better for all the Jessies in the world. Well, thank, thank you, you so much. Yeah.